Hello, folks. Welcome to the Art Grind Podcast. My name is Sophia Kayafis, and I'm here with Mr. Marshall Jones. This is a podcast by artists for artists, where each week we interview a different artist and talk about what it means to be one. This week we interviewed Mr. Bernardo Siciliano. He's a 50-year-old oil painter, draftsman, instructor, and tennis player. And he came to New York in 1997 and has been living and painting in Brooklyn ever since. Bernardo has a lot of bold opinions, and he also happens to be incredibly humble and generous with his insight. Today, he inspired us with his commitment to the studio and a lifetime of painting with intention. I invite you to get to know the talented, passionate, and addicted to painting, Mr. Bernardo Siciliano. So we're still learning the ropes here, and uh, we had a couple technical difficulties during this recording. So please bear with us for the first 20 minutes or so. <laughs> Enjoy. Welcome to the Art Grind Podcast. My name's Sophia Kayafis. I'm here with Mr. Marshall Jones. We're here in Bernardo's studio in Dumbo. Looking at all these amazing paintings getting ready for a show. It smells amazing. <laughs> you are all going to get sick, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I am. This is what a real painter <laughs> smells like. Turpentine. Honest to God, turpentine. So, Bernardo, tell us about your upcoming show. Um, it's a show I'm working uh, on and off uh, for the last uh, four years. Four years. But doesn't mean I just did those paintings in four years. I did many, many paintings are not in the studio right now. And I sent to dealers and I sold them. Okay. Um, medium size. Okay. So I was during those four years making something like uh, two slash three paintings done that size every month for okay. 10 months more or less every each year wow that's the schedule in the meantime i am on and off working on big scale painting that i know i'm not gonna sell it's hard to sell bigger paintings because they are 12 feet long very tall, big yeah. scale, so, but I'm thinking, I have a show, basically I have 20 minutes of attention with a light spot, and you are on stage for 20 minutes, and you need to talk and say something that people maybe can listen, so I had two options, option one, make a show as safe as possible, just medium scale paintings, well painted, easy to sell because subject matters are not too challenging. Uh -huh. Figures are not included. No figures. Figures don't sell. Because they don't sell, right? No. So then I decided to make a very, uh, another, the other option is, is the opposite. So the, the market is actually in trouble. Nobody's selling anything. Mm -hmm. So I will end up probably to do a show that nobody is talking about because the paintings are small. They are not that. I mean, I care of anything I paint one million percent. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. There is no difference to me of a small painting of a medium painting of a large painting. They are all very challenging mm -hmm. figures, not figures. I don't think like that. I don't understand why the market thinks like that, but I'm a painter. I'm not a collector. 
So if I try to put myself in a collector mind, I need to change approach. Because my approach in paintings is I look through the surface of the painting and I try to understand the inner strength of the painting. So when I look at, on any painting, not just mine, in general, I don't think about the subject matter at all. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I don't give a shit. What I care is to see if in front of me there is something strong, powerful, mm -hmm. okay? That mm -hmm. get strongly well connected with my attitude of a painter and a guy who study paintings all the time because in order to paint I need to know as, 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 as good as possible the language in general. So I love looking at paintings from the past to the present all the time. All the paintings, all, the, the maximum amount of them. Any period of time, any style, any technique. Hmm. Hmm? Hmm. Because the language is complex and rich and full of diversity over the centuries. And there is, in my opinion, somehow, in a good painting in general, always the same inner strength. So if I see that, then I can start appreciating maybe the composition and maybe thinking a bit of the subject matter. But mostly what I care is the way that painting is painted. Uh-huh. To, so, to you, Bernardo, what is that inner strength that you see in a painting? The way it's painted. To? The way it's painted makes the painting a painting. For instance, if you say just a line, Lucian Freud, describe a painting of Lucian Freud. There is this woman, slightly overweighted, naked, lie down on the couch, looking on the side. That's the description of the subject matter, mm -hmm. of a painting of Lucian Freud. Mm -hmm. Now, what is interesting about nothing, right? Nothing. But what is interesting about Lucian Freud is the way Freud paints, yeah. manipulates the, the, the material in, on any direction. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's the reason why I care about that particular painting, not because it's a figure or whatever you want to call I don't care about that. Because when I see a De Kooning abstract painting from this last period of his life, no, last period I'm not sure, middle range of his life, I see outstanding, strong paintings also. Mm -hmm which they mm -hmm. both, even though they are apparently so different, they have inside the same strength. They are actually quite similar personality from certain perspective. Mm. In both cases, you have amazing draftmen. Mm -hmm. They are willing to be sculptors more than painters. In fact, the way they manipulate the material is almost sculpting. Because it's mm. so about the material. So that's my type of approach in looking at a painting. Ta, 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 ta. So I don't think about, eh, there is a figure so I cannot sell it. I don't care about that. Hmm? 
That's my point of view in general. Mm-hmm. So in this case, the, the plan A, as I said, is the safe one, but it's the boring one because I am trying to listen what the markets is asking. It makes me a weak painter if I try to go with the flow. Uh-huh. I don't want to yeah. go with the flow. I want to go against the flow mm-hmm. because if I want to, if I go with the flow, I am boring. If I do me, I am at least honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And what is me? Me is this type of painter since I was born as a painter, going into a church in an Italian city, a, a, a Renaissance church from center, maybe center of Italy in Tuscany, let's maybe in Florence, get to, into a church and watching in front of me the altarpiece on the opposite wall from the entrance, which is always monumental, mm-hmm. very big, mm-hmm. very powerful. So let me try to make big, powerful, monumental, unsellable paintings. Nobody's selling anything on top of it. Right. So what's, what's wrong with that? So right. let me go crazy mm-hmm. and let me try to make a show which is going to be interesting because there are very ambitious paintings inside. Yeah. Very ambitious. Those yeah. three, for instance, you see, have three different technical issues, issues which are related with the composition. One, there are figures, okay? And I talk about figures from the technical aspect. If you paint figures, figures are very difficult to paint mm-hmm. because we get involved with stuff related with the observation of the nature, Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when it's about human being, we have this, unfortunately, maybe it's a mistake, uh, long tradition, Western culture paintings coming from statues or from Greek statues, actually. And implanting in the Western common sophisticated mind the idea that art to be good needs to be a, an evolution of that statue. Right, right. We can disagree with that. For instance, I'm going with the flow. I'm just talking about paintings. For instance, there is a discontinuity in the, in the language. We have Greek, then we have Romans, then we have a break. Middle Age. Mm. In the Middle Age, we have uh, um, the primitives. We can call them like that. The Middle Age painters, Byzantine and Gothic. Iconography a lot. Gothic and Byzantine. They don't follow the observation of the nature like the Greek. Mm -hmm. So they don't try to make a, a figure of a human being. Greeks did it for certain peculiar ideas we don't care today, but they were involved with complete imitation of the nature. They wanted to copy the nature. In fact, if you read the dialogue between, between Platone and Prasitele, Platone was the number one philosopher at that time, and Prasitele was the number one sculptor with Phidia at that time. And you hear the dialogue between Fidia and Prasitele. They talk all the time about only 
the reproduction of the nature. In fact, they call it in ancient Greek the mimesis, which means translated the copy of. In okay. Greek point of view of art, art it's everything but unique. It's a repetition. Mm-hmm. They find certain types to make the most beautiful human being f- figure, which is a combination of the arm of that guy, the shoulder of the other guy, and this is the perfect beautiful body. Mm-hmm. And then you have to repeat the same forever. That's the art for Greeks. Then you have the middle-aged guys, very religious, monks, praying God all the time. Just this very inspired, no? They were praying. They mm-hmm. were friars. Right. And paint the beauty of God. Celebration of God. Zero interest in observation of the nature, only praying God and get inspired by the, this praying. Hmm. Looking so up. they start painting f- shapes of figures. They are very strange. Yeah. Very weird. Mm-hmm. Stiff. Very flat. Yeah. yeah. Very not 3D. Mm-hmm. But adding in the sensibility of human beings the idea of inspiration. Because even though the Greeks were considered for us the beginning of the best, inspiration for Greeks is not good. What is matters for them is only repetition. Mm-hmm. Zero inspiration. In fact, the Venus, for instance, of Phidia and Prasitele are identical. And the, the Venus from Roman art later on are copies of Greek Venus. They are identical. Mm-hmm. The addition in Roman art compared to Greek is the portraiture. They start making portraits of important people. Mm-hmm. Like the consul, blah, blah. So you see suddenly in sculptures in sculpture. the portrait of someone. Otherwise, Greek art is only very, let's say, metaphysical. Because it's this abstraction of the best of the best of the nature. And then we repeat it because we found the best. Why change it? That's the best. Mm -hmm. That's perfect. So let's repeat the perfection. It's like, which turns into like rules of proportion and ideal forms and stuff. Which for us means not art. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's the opposite of creativity. Mm-hmm. In fact, the interest part of the primitives, these guys, they were painting flat and awkward, is that they suddenly stop caring of copying whatever, but just inventing because they were praying and get inspired. Mm-hmm. The concept of being inspired in the artist's mind developed over the middle age period of time. Ah. Okay? Ah, I never thought of it that way. The addition. Hmm. Then you have, boom, Renaissance. They go back to observation of the nature. They repeat the Greek and the Romans, but with the experience of being religious, they are still middle-aged people. And they start considering the inspiration as a religious point of view, as a good thing. We get inspired, and because of that, we are stronger, and we can observe 
the nature with strong and more inspired feelings. Hmm. Uh, with hmm. this sense of optimism, they invented perspective, linear perspective, which mm-hmm. was an invention from Renaissance, never done before. So it's the third very important addition in the language. Now you got 3D in statues in Greek. Okay. Repetitive. Then you got this freedom, break the rule, boom. Very religious, very mystic. And then you get from mysticism back to observation of nature, but still being a guy full of religious wills and desires. Hmm. How do you know this stuff? Because I read. (laughs) I study my language, which is called the history of paintings. Because of that, I study around. Hmm? Something you guys are supposed to do too, because I'm not doing that since I was born. I'm struggling in studying. It's fatiguing. But I think it is important, more you know about what, what, for instance, is the meaning What's the purpose of art? Why we paint? Those questions are important. And the, the answers are not easy. Is the, why we paint? What's the meaning of art for human beings? What they thought was the meaning in the past and what they think is the meaning of it in the present. It changed a lot. I just said, for Greek, the meaning was repetition. Mm-hmm. So, what is for now, what is the meaning of art today? When you right. go to a museum and you talk to curator, or when you talk to painters? Right. You said That's... everything goes against the previous one. Every century goes yeah, against the previous There's always a certain of, uh, reaction. So, I'm not surprised if the 21st century is going to be... This is just the beginning, but we need to talk about it at the end of it, or maybe at the beginning of the next one. Well, how was the 21st century in relationship with the 20th century? And so with the avant-garde, that are the main course of the, the, the 20th century addition on the language, the, the thinking, what's, what's the meaning of a painting? The, the idea of making art by thinking of the meaning of the painting mm-hmm. is a move done in the 20th century, not right. before. right the evaluation of the meaning by itself. What do you think the meaning is right now? It's, it's, I don't have a clear answer. I can tell you only that uh, there is a, a confusion about beauty, in my opinion, in general. The market is confusing the meaning of beauty in paintings right now. Because of commerce? They talk about things that are not related with the language. The Me Too movement, which is a very important event in the contemporary society, super welcome on any level, become, for me, very unwelcome when he stick the nose in the inspiration of a painting. Hmm. Subject matter. Just I like, don't want to have boundaries. Right. I want to paint whatever for the sake of it. Because what matters is not what I paint, but how I paint it. So you, you see those paintings are full of energy. 
Yes, they are very awkward, but so strong, so powerful and smart. Hmm. So I go always, uh, because I'm a self-taught, I, never, I didn't go to any school. One, hmm. My technique, if there is a, one technique, but I change constantly. I'm trying to change new solutions because they don't look good. So I try to make them feeling, looking better. Hmm. They don't look good enough. You know, I'm never happy with a painting, basically. You're never happy? No. No, no, no. It's always, um, you know, it's a passage. You hope for the best for the next one. Right. I'm the same as you. I'm always like, I, I, I don't feel like a painting's ever finished. I always feel like I can improve it. Always trying new strategies on each one. I think that's the yeah, joy of it, right? Exactly. Otherwise, it's boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it's boring. If you had this, because I, I, of course, love your work, and you said you're never happy with one. If you had one painting to define right now, your work, what would it be? Uh, this one, I've just started because it's the best. The one you just started? I always have, uh, no, sometimes, not always. Sometimes I have, when I start a painting, I feel very pumped up. Thinking, oh, this is this is the paint. This is the painting. <laughs> oh, that, that feeling. But sometimes, most of the time, I get no disappointed. But at least there is this idea. No, that's this. This, this is it. And that pain, this painting, we can describe it, right? Because we are not with cameras. And it plus is just a beginning. We can put a photo on. See, but no, sure. no, no, no. Don't do it because it's really beginning. But this painting has everything I can do at the best. It's me at the best potentially. I'll tell you why. Because I'm a landscaper, number one. I grew up being a painter of landscapes, cityscapes, when okay. I was young. I went to figure afterwards because I, okay. wasn't, I was scared, I wasn't sure. Blah, blah, blah. And then I, 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 I am a self-taught, okay? You have to understand that I really start painting by myself. I use the first time I paint on oil, uh, olive oil instead of linseed oil. <laughs> so that's the level. <laughs> so the, the painting is still wet, I think, after... <laughs> 45 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't ever dry. Yeah. Um, so I was just guessing the shit by myself. So, but I was smart, I think. I said, it's easier to do blocks, square blocks, okay. buildings, than round stuff. It's round. Mm, I don't know how to do it. So you were just painting buildings around your neighborhood? Yes. yes. How, how old were you when you were doing this? Uh, very young. I was... Uh, nine ten years old nine or ten so what what made you at nine or ten want to just start playing with oil paint without a teacher or being I was, my mother was uh, was an illustrator first of all and so i when since i was born there were easels and paint somewhere oh, okay so it was for me natural mm -hmm. to get a pencil And, and second, uh, my father uh, was a writer, a very important Italian writer, and uh, he was a compulsive reader. So he collected on his uh, two places, one in Rome and one in the country, something like 80,000 books. Whoa, 80,000. 80, wow. And Huge he read library. all of them multiple times with notes on the side. Really? Yeah. Whoa. 20,000 of these 80, I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. 20,000 of these 80,000 were books of art, catalogs, monograph, monographs of painters. So as a kid, I was l opening these. 
I couldn't read anything. My father made me, he was a very uh, tense man, made me a terrible school student. I couldn't function and read anything from the moment I was born until the age of 18. Really? Not even comics. That's crazy. I was just watching the images in comics. You I wasn't reading the, the story. I Whoa. couldn't understand. I mean, I was able to read and write, but I wasn't able to listen what I was reading and writing. It wasn't like cognating. And, uh, and then this big, huge apartment in Rome that we were living, all the family, a big family, Italian family, was a rent. And they got a, they, we got the final. We needed to go, get out. Now, in Italy, it's impossible to, to kick you out. If you stay, you stay. Okay. Forget it. So my parents and my brother left. I stayed with this apartment emptied out of this library. So the walls were layers of parati paper, paper wall, different colors, layers, no? Very creepy place. Okay. But big, very big. Fa- Multiple rooms, living room, huge, okay? Uh, and I sub-rented every fucking room to my colleagues at the university. It was the first year of, of uh, art history. Wait, so they, they were going to kick your family out? Yeah. Your family left, you stayed, and then sublet the rooms out. Of course. And the, 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 the owner of the apartment was living in front of us. So my place became a squat. Okay. We were living in 20 kids. Whoa. And having parties every night. Like our apartment was filled up normally with 200 people. Oh every night. With music blasted. Oh, but we were paying the rent on time, all the time. Okay. So he couldn't kick us out. He was crying. Please go, guys, go. And I, poor guy. And, oh and it's God. the moment my parents, my parents left the room, and it was my first year at the university, I opened those books of history of art, and I started understanding what I was reading. As soon as my father left me living alone, I wow. calmed down, and I started, because for me, my father represented a living book, not a human being. He was writing on, he was a writer. So he was writing on this table, at the beginning with the type machine and at the end with a computer. And the table was the same table for all my life living with him. And uh, this table was a wood table, but his arms were always hold it on the edge. The edge edge of the... A track. Oh my God. Are you serious? A track consumed. Like, Consu- like that, because he was typing. Like the steps in a museum, yes. how they dip. Stabbing like this. Whoa. So you, you think that that has something to do with your interest in images? Of course. The- I became completely mute by reading, so I got my eyes, that they doubled size. I was like becoming just a, 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 totally an eye. visual. Yeah. Because your dad was so... Uh, Verbal or yes. words, whatever that would be. So I was just sucking images wow. because I was craving. F- I was lacking in the other communication language, so I was doubling this communication language. Wow! 
That's so interesting. Mm. Did your did your dad like your paintings? I think so. Yeah. yeah, we had a very good relationship. In the the problem, my father was unbearable. He was really a guy, un, unstable. So being nearby him was was uh, f- agitating me a lot. Mm. By loving him also, because he was also a very charming man, right. and f- communicating and talking very talkative, and talking with passion about any type of form of art. He was a humanist. In the, during the fascism, there was a very important intellectual that got jailed. His name is Gramsci because he was a communist. And in jail, he read something this amount of books. And, and he, ra- he wrote stuff, very important stuff. Of my father's generation, consider this guy Gramsci like God. Okay. So they basically, a group of people, of intellectual of my father's generation, recopied the motion by closing themselves in jail and studying mm. all the time. Oh like God. all the time. It's like a religion. Yeah, 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 correct. Absolutely. So these were, your parents were like bohemian intellectual bohemian i don't think so but no. they were my father was a well-known artist uh, and knowing everybody every important artist in town in any field from movies to paintings to literature the best of that period of time including fellini which okay. was a friend of my father oh wow and they were hanging out in our in this apartment before they left because it was so big and with my family was living my grandmother from my father from Calabria deep south of Italy a great cook capable to cook for 40 people every night now there was a piano because I studied music and my father was a failed singer but he was able to sing opera and there were musicians playing important musicians like very important musicians and uh, so people like that so for me as a kid was so much fun to hang around yeah I was every night watching these people partying of my That's so and these people were people like Fellini I can name you so many wow but all of them the most important Italian artist of the period which was a golden age for Italy because they were in the boom still so the, the country was growing a lot people were making money it was boom mm. I just saw a documentary on Rauschenberg and his I son. met Rauschenberg Did through you? my father oh really? yeah no because way. Rauschenberg was having a show in this gallery that the, the gallerist was a very good friend of my parents and so Rauschenberg was invited in a dinner and I spent my dinner nearby he gave me his, his tie really? yeah <laughs> oh, that's great but yeah. his, his, his son was hanging out much like you with all Rauschenberg's Probably, friends in yes. the Lower East Side, just like, it seems so romantic to me. Yeah, but I left Italy for this reason. I didn't want to be, the, because my father was a legend in a way that public politics decided to make him, when he was almost going to die, the president of Italian national television, just because it was this 
big old man that he did a lot of stuff for culture okay mm. and the guy got he didn't know how to be a politics politician so he got got almost killed by I mean it's another job but in Italy it's a typical mistake you are Philip Roth they leave you alone here there no they want you to be the president of uh, an important broadcasting why it doesn't make any sense <laughs> anyway I left that place and I came to the States where my father was a nobody because of the weight of that see I didn't like it I was 24 Okay. And I liked it to be here completely unknown. And I stay still unknown, I think. <laughs> <laughs> where, did you, where did you come? Did you come straight to New York from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you were painting all the time at that point. I was painting all the time. Thanks to these connections, I made my first solo show at the age of 17 and I sold out. Wow. So they gave me a check, a very little check, but for me it was crazy good. Right? Yeah. So, and I became an economically independent since then, and I kept making my shows between the United States and Italy till now, but the market is going down. Right. And so you were, in, in, when you were in the house in Rome, you were going to college, right? Yeah. And then what did you go to college for? Uh, history of art, literature. History of art. Yeah. Wow. And you were paying the whole time to yeah. that. I and was making my shows and I was paying my bills with that. How, how did you find coming to New York? When you first Because came? this guy, the dealer of Rauschenberg in Rome, is a guy who lives in New York. Okay. And he asked me to come, come here. And I came. And he introduced me to Bob Fishcott Forum Gallery. Okay. And, um, and that's how I start to have a gallery in town. And then I, I left my professional relationship with this Italian guy and with this gallery, and I met another guy in Italy. And this guy, we did amazing. This guy was, is my age, and he opened a gallery in a very beautiful place in Milan, and he sold me out for, oh, I don't know, for more than 10 years. Wow, wow. And then the market started being difficult. Around like when, 2008? Two, two years ago. Oh, two, three years ago. Okay. I mean, even four years ago wasn't the same. Slowly, the last five, six years, is maybe even more is going. Every, every year worse in the Italian market. American market, I am completely, I completely stopped selling long time ago. Hmm. Like... Um, Here and there sometimes, one after two years. Right, right. Not that much. So in the last four or five years. So basically right now, I'm trying to regroup here and putting all, because the Italian market was so good that sucked all my best paintings. Mm -hmm. The guy was selling, so. Right. A painting this big is calling and it's sold. Okay, send it to me, send it to me. But then you pay a price. Because you, you lost contact with this place. I lost it. Right. Right. So how you, you say you're self-taught. How did you teach yourself to paint so well? You know, Thank you. I don't know if I've been so well, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so when I, uh, when, I make my, when I start making those uh, first paintings, they were cityscapes, as I said, of, of Rome. 
and before we're landscape from the country, I was always by instinct trying to find this flaggy feeling. Hmm. Hmm. So thinking more, first of all, about the composition, how to frame it, uh, uh, something that gotta be cool. There was gotta have some sense of musical rhythm. Okay. I okay. studied piano since I was little at the conservatory. I got trained as a pianist. Okay. And I was doing, uh, you know, when you, when you train piano, you have to do the same motion, the scales. You do it, you can do also, when you study a piece, that passage is difficult, so you repeat only that frame for months until you get very fluent, apparently effortless. But you are not effortless. It's it, the result of a huge effort. Mm-hmm. Repetition. So I transferred that uh, approach in uh, my method of build up my skill. I was very young and I said, look, when I play the piano, I do those annoying things which are so annoying. <laughs> Let me try the same. Let me put myself in front of this window from the center of the room all day long and making 20, 50, 100 paintings, all the same, small. At the end, maybe the last one is well painted. Wow. So, so you painted the same view yeah. like a hundred times. Yeah. Even you said you more. moved all through your house and you just went from window yeah. to window to window. Uh, yeah, yeah. I changed windows, but then I decided that I liked one window if I want <laughs> Did you say your mother helped you? She yeah, you my mother tips? helped me. Yeah, She helped me in, in the sense she was always yelling at me. The masses, first the general masses, no details. Go for the big ones and then you find the details. So that's why I start from the, from the flag, which is the masses. The biggest masses, yeah. Right. That's what I th- the way I think. And this painting, in terms of big masses, has everything I need to make a good painting. Because there is a figure on the side in a very daylight environment, very geometrical, structured like a flag, mm-hmm. which is actually a box room, three-dimensional, a real room, very minimal, like... Um, uh, Mies van der Rohe architect, no? Tra-da, tra-da. You know Mies van der Rohe is an architect from the beginning of the 20th century who does these very simple minimal blocks. The typical villa in the, in the, in the country, luxurious, luxurious villa, villa. Okay. It's like metal and glass. Okay. Like tratak. Hmm. Hmm? Uh, I, I would like to paint a painting from a scene like that with the glass I, I like a lot certain paintings by Eric Fischer that are done in certain cool houses in the Hamptons they have that flavor mm-hmm. a little bit no? one floor like zoom. Mm-hmm. so this painting has these uh, lines because this is the counter the kitchen the table everything is so lean and Vertical, horizontal. And then there is the window on the side. The window in a painting on space with the room is something that I saw many times. And I always liked it. In great paintings like Las Meninas, there is this 
window. Yeah. In Vermeer paintings, the window. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, Caravaggio. Caravaggio. Converse, conversion of San Matthew. <laughs> the yeah. guy is, is on the table. This is structure Caravaggio. If you think about it, the light is on the side, coming from mm-hmm. the window. It's natural light, it's completely different stuff. It's painted in a completely different way. I don't want to imitate Caravaggio's language ever, never, ever, ever in my <laughs> life. Okay, I don't want to even say I am the, the, the nail of Caravaggio's talent. Okay, no. But I'm thinking when I paint, since I, I saw so many paintings, of other paintings. Trust me on. So this one is conversion of some Matthew structure-wise for me, in my way, in, my, sim- in my simple way. I you can know? see it. Because just the table is like this, boom, the light is coming from there. There is somebody, yeah, yes, it's just one person. I don't need to put a group of people and telling a long story. Mm-hmm. I don't need that because I'm from the 21st century. Right. <laughs> right? So tell us a little bit about the varnishing you do, because I find that really interesting. You work over layers of varnish as no, well. No, 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 no. I work uh, direct. 90% of the process of the painting, if not okay. even more. Okay. So I paint direct for so much. Okay. I, I ticket the canvas with so much white. 90% white, and the rest is colors. Wow. For months and layers the thing that a little bit drive me crazy seems like in general it's hard to find painters that they understand the layering part of making a painting i have great painters in the quick ones jenny saville uh, alex kaneski just two i named them mm-hmm. they are great painters in the quick in the in the alla prima yeah alla prima one shot one shot if I think about layers that they build a painting, I, Kiefer is bomb. Yeah. He's using also very real materials. Let's talk about the more traditional painters. They, they use brushes and colors. Uh, Vincent, uh, even Eric Fischel is alla prima, is fast. Mm-hmm. Only Vincent. In his... Uh, Vincent way my way uh, I want I want a layer because I I think uh, painting you miss an opportunity so uh, the quick one is fantastic and and also for certain aspect is the most difficult one hmm. because you 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 can't make a mistake you have to you have to it's like most mostly almost like an affresco all right 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 almost Yes, you can retouch it, you can do, do stuff on top of it because it's oil, but they do very little. I like Lucien Freud, the guy who stab, with stubbornness mm-hmm. layer the thing until, until he thinks it's done. Okay. Right. And I think what's different about the way you do it is it's direct painting, but layers of direct painting. Right, like. Yeah, and then I do one coat of uh, a glaze that actually Vincent uh, taught me before I was just leaving the problem open on the stage one direct. Mm-hmm. I painted only direct until I met Vincent. And Vincent gave me this additional idea. I'm using a completely different material than Vincent. Mine is a um, strange thing. 
because I don't really glaze. I put one coat, okay, very thick, everywhere, and very brutal. And the the color is is a dark brown, uh, greenish color all the time. What what's this? What's it called? I don't know. I mix. Okay. Whatever I find makes it like very sh- the shit color. Yeah. Okay. I need the shit color. Okay. <laughs> That's my color. And then I apply this shit color on top of a painting apparently it's done with this gel. It's very thick and dense, uh, which I need to carry a bit with turp. It's like a glass. Goes over the whole thing. All the the whole thing. Fills all of the holes. You can see that stage there. That's just I just did this coat aggressive of that material. Mm-hmm. So that turns that direct painting into an underpainting for the next session, like yes, stage. Yes, but the underpainting underneath is quite uh, uh, strong and thick and uh, almost solved, right? Uh-huh. So you are hoping for the best, which means a couple of uh, very quick and fast um, scumbling. Unfortunately, it never happens. Mm. Never. You hope for the best and then some, something happened that you need to push it harder mm-hmm. and redo the whole thing. But it's only you can ask me why you do that. Because the matte gloss matte is better than matte, matte, matte. You said okay. that you're getting ready for this show. No, I'm not getting ready. I'm going to have a show, but you're, I'm not getting ready for You're a painting it's for different. a show. I'm painting for a show. <laughs> and it's not going to be done. No. And you're going to show them halfway done, almost done. In progress. See, in progress. All of them in progress, for sure. But that, that's even healthier, because otherwise, if you ask me, when do you want to do the show? Next year, two years, three years from now. So I'm like that. So stop me here. It's fine. Doesn't matter. The painting is not going to be solved anyway. You don't answer questions. You keep questioning, in my opinion. So I, I, don't, I don't know how to finish a painting. I really don't. Because it's immediately too kitsch. Because you, you basically try to close, to solve the problem too soon. It's very, to finish a painting is very complicated. A great guy who was able to keep the painting unfinished in a fantastic, realistic way and pictorial at the same time is Lopez Garcia. Yeah. He's a guy. Yeah. Stop. No. There are moments in the paintings that are obviously unfinished. Right. Right. In right. progress. What's wrong with that? I like it. It's cool. So I accept the challenge on give them an unfinished painting, but gotta look good. Because yeah. the, the, the truth is that a good painting is always good, even in the worst moments. When you talk about being turned on by a painting that you're looking at, and then you're being turned on by a painting that you're painting, what does that mean? The same thing. I see in my painting the, the chance of being powerful. So I try to make it powerful. What about this feeling of like sexual tension? You could be painting a toaster and I would feel some kind of arousal in you as the artist looking at this toaster. <laughs> Because I'm, 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 I'm all eyes as a painter. 
I am completely in, in observation of the nature. I paint what I see. And I try to transfer with my memory in a pictorial object. And that cycle is a repetition, right? Of mm. Looking and transferring. Looking and transferring. But the, the memory is very important. Because I'm, I'm not photographic. I'm not copying a schema. I am observing, then far from the canvas, because I always look at my canvas from a quite far distance, and I'm observing something else that is going to be the subject matter for the canvas. And then I walk for 10 steps, and finally I do a few marks on the canvas, and then I walk back. So this period of time that I'm not seeing anything, I'm just walking with my brush full of color, and I'm going to touch the canvas with some marks that summarize in my mind something that I saw. What did, what did I see? I saw some marks and, and stains and lines that I have to somehow repeat on canvas. Simple, though. I'm trying to summarize something that resembles a, a complex thing with just a simple jest. One touch, three. So that's the game. And that is control. To be able that's to I call it painting. That. That's painting. Hmm. That's painting. When you stop thinking of anything else, but only the way you are marking the canvas, you are painting. It's an improvisation. You are flying without a parachute in the moment. Ta -ta -ta -ta. You gotta do the thing. When you're standing back and you come up with a plan, you're like, I'm gonna walk up and put the color in this spot. Hmm. Do you... When you get to the canvas, do you do that plan or does it change walking towards it? Change. Change? So most of the time. Uh -huh. Yeah, because you hope for the best and it's always the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I go for Chumin, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. That's why I call it improvisation. So you have to adjust. You just. Have to find another way mm -hmm. on that moment. If you, the paint, there are painters, they are kind of have a, a programmatic system in the way they, you see on the canvas, they're boring. Right. They're right. very repetitive. Uh-huh. That's boring. I think the great stuff is the improvisation. Like that's what, like you said, that's what painting is. That's what makes a painting a series of someone's improvisation, yeah. you know? It's not rope moves it's not a, a chess game you know what no. to do it's like a playing around in the middle it's playing around in the middle the point is not that if I mean the point is to f try to play with the history you know and try to leave uh, something that is memorable obviously we we are ambitious otherwise why we do paint why we paint to be noticed hmm Wait, do you think that's what it is? The, the reason to paint is to be noticed? 
I mean, in, from, from my opinion, maybe I'm going completely against the flow, but I, I want to stand up at the Metropolitan Museum in the future. Uh-huh. In 200 years from now, the way I see it is this way. Hmm. The rest doesn't last, so nobody's going to remember something that maybe today is fashionable. Probably nobody's going to remember me too. Me, my paintings too. Right. Because they are not good enough. But the idea is that I deal and I talk when I paint with this painter's caliber Metropolitan Museum mm-hmm. in my crazy game alone in the studio. Otherwise, it's not fun. Right. Absolutely. Uh, do, you, do you think that comes from, in some ways, like fear of death, knowing that you're, we're all going to pass and you want to leave something. I don't think about that either. I mean, I'm, I'm scared to die like crazy. I'm hypochondriac. I, I, I'm really scared about being sick, more mm-hmm. than dead. Sick. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't think about that, no. I, wanna ma- I would like to make a painting that is able to be nearby in the same room of paintings I loved all my life and stay there and it's okay it's not like oh come on take it out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay it's more like that not because I want to last uh, I, I'm dying so I want to leave something for the future it's about my private um, uh, conversation I, I have with these people it's about you by yourself in the studio Trying to achieve your highest level. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Correct. To, to reach every time I start a painting, I feel like it's a painting the way I pump myself up. I want to make a painting that was never done this way before. Hmm. I want to make a painting that is, is different. Mm-hmm. And you know it's impossible because we have seven centuries of masterpieces so you're not gonna make it mm-hmm. but at least you want to try this this is a painting I, I was thinking of Thomas Hickins you know the the rowers the rowers there are there is nothing in relationship with any paintings of nothing only one thing the proportion between the figures in space they are uh-huh. small in those Hickins paintings they are yes, so well painted uh-huh. And the boats are so beautiful in the water. Yeah. So it's, are very well placed in a, in a, in a figures in space. Mm-hmm. And the editing from the top is fantastic. It's the best of his, in my opinion. It's so edgy, so modern. Then he, when he does poultry tour, most of the time it becomes more predictable. Right. Um, besides uh, one exception. Uh, but otherwise, uh, the best of this is, is the, the, that moment. So we're three people here, basically obsessed with this thing that is just painting, painting images, real images on a canvas. Sophia, you were saying you were having a 
a hard week, a lot of your hate painting at this point. I don't know. think I'm a painter. <laughs> I've had this realization, I don't think I'm a painter anymore. Already you misplaced the line. Either you don't think you're a painter or you think you're a painter. You cannot say, I don't think I'm a painter anymore. I don't think I'm a painter. I don't think I'm a painter. Either you are or you're not. I tried to be, and I thought I was. And I don't, I'm not. Fair enough. What do you mean? Only only you know that. Nobody else. And I'm going to continue to fake it until I leave the city. (laughs) (laughs) That's the sad, sad reality. That's probably the honest, only honest part of my practice is that I can admit that at this point. What is not faking it, though? Fucking being there and doing something. Doing it? Yeah. Because you're not doing it. Even when I'm there, I'm not actually there. No, because you're too tired. They're teaching too much. Yeah, no, that's probably true. Why, Bernardo... Are we so obsessed with this thing? Yeah. Uh, your, your case, I don't know, because I don't know you enough. In my case, it's a cure from, from anxiety, as I said. It's like a mantra. Uh-huh. <laughs> Calls me down, I need it. <laughs> like so medicine. I don't want to even know why I'm doing it, as long as it makes me feel better. I think it's important. It's like having a lot... I mean, it's important to... When, you, when anybody sees a, a, a reproduction or something that with your hands that express an emotion, it's stronger because mm-hmm. we are human beings. It's, it's needed. It's like wh- why we need music. Mm-hmm. We, need, we need it. That's it because we are human beings. Fantasy. We need, we need to activate our fantasies. Yeah. I think we need good I think we need good things. I worry like with you were talking a little like technology. It feels like things we need good slow art in the world. You know, like the way you build an image, the way you're building images, direct painting over direct painting over direct painting. These are slow works of art. Yes, that sure. Are labored over sure. and loved and over. And also, the, the market uh, we are talking about is very small. It's a sophisticated group of people can appreciate paintings. So, But somehow, is over time, gets everywhere. A successful painting, important paintings are very well known. Mm-hmm. So people, maybe they don't know anything, they don't understand it, they don't appreciate it, or maybe they do. So, mm-hmm. because it's also very simple, it's an image, mm-hmm. handmade. Mm-hmm. So easy to go. We we have images since the beginning of uh, civilization. So it's a need. Yeah, like the Freud image you described, the lady face turned that way on the couch so many people know that image so many people know yes described that's everywhere yes and it's today imagining five centuries from now it's spreading because it's placed in that museum and then uh, is everywhere in Mm -hmm. any it's pub but also 
reproductions of it uh, everywhere. People that value that painting in a truthful way but will not... share that image with people that will also value it, almost like a religion. You need to see this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to see this, and you need to worship it during your lifetime and share it with your people. It's so crazy how image can become mm. like that. I was talking to this friend of mine. She's, she just finished her psychology degree in Greece. And we started drawing this Venn diagram. And I was talking to her about a technical narrative, which you would call the pictorial aspect. <laughs> I'm hearing Vincent's voice. You said the image needs to be painted that way. That image needs to be painted that way. Yes. So this marrying of the two, that the message is delivered in a very, very specific way. Mm -hmm. It feels like it goes hand in hand with the image itself, the mm -hmm. inseparable. And so I, we drew this diagram and we thought, we were thinking, you know, what, we were also trying to answer this question, why are some paintings better than other paintings? And so, as you can see here, <laughs> I've drawn this Venn diagram. So here's the image, and here is the painter mm. as a human being. This is a better painting. This is an even better painting. Now they've completely overlapped. Uh, There's almost no great. space between the painter and the painting. They're the same circle. I'm What do you think sure. about that? I'm not sure. <laughs> so prove it. <laughs> Frankly, how do you prove it? It feels true. See, <laughs> feels true, but prove it. Prove it, tell me. That painter was painting and he was completely in the painting because I measured this and this and that. No. And that. So then forget about it, don't waste your time. I just say, it feels like that. It feels, but no, I'm sorry. I have to stop you there. There is no way to measure it. <laughs> That's so great. You have to yeah, let him paint. We go. No, you, we, we'll let you go now. We could go. Yeah, yeah. I have to go to bed anyway. Okay, thank cool. you so much. Bernardo, thank you so much. That was cool. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. Please don't forget us. We need you. Go to the Art Grind podcast and click donate. We'll take anything. Have a good one. <laughs>